Hey, this is Kurt Winstein from Crowbar, and you're listening to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Yeah! Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with Dr. Fuck and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley, better known as Wadzilla. So enjoy another awesome, incredible episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Bam, 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 diddly dee. Well, all right, it is I, Dr. Fucker Thrasher Dying. With me is... Oh, yeah! Ian Wadley, Wadzilla. We're here to review something that we just finished reviewing. And it went way over two hours, so I'm going to edit this shit down. I am fucked up beyond control, but as you listen to the beginning of the episode, I just started drinking my first drink. So you will hear me progressively get drunk throughout the show, but... This time I don't throw up. Or do I? I don't know. Stick around and find out. Here is Ian and I. What are we going to review, Ian? Do you want to go to heaven tonight? Uh, uh, uh. All right, here's our review of heaven tonight. Here we go. Well, all right, it's time for the review. Oh, my God. One of my favorite, oh, little kid albums when I was a little child. Oh, how I worshipped this album so much. Released in 1978. This I know. Yes. I know my cheap trick when it comes to 70s shit. I really, really, I mean, I really dislike cheap trick album covers of the 70s, with the exception of the first album. And Heaven Tonight may be the worst out of all of them. Because what the fuck, man? Oh, yeah, that's bad. And it makes no sense, you know? It's like, what what are they doing in a bathroom? What does that have to do with Heaven Tonight? Okay, well, there there is a story about that. Oh, you don't know. I don't know the story. Tell me. Okay, or maybe story, I do and I don't remember. But go ahead. okay, the story about um, the album cover is originally the record company wanted them to call the album American Standard, and American Standard was also a plumbing company. So that's the whole thing with the bathroom motif. It was supposed to be a play on words with that. And Cheap Trick didn't like, uh, you know, the, the the name American Standard. But they went ahead and, you know, they, they, they let the, the pictures go. But, like, you know, judging by the cover, you wouldn't even know they're in the bathroom if you didn't see, you know, like the flip side. Yeah. Yes, but, uh, sir. Yeah, yeah. I do my research. Well, that's good. I did not know that. And you know what? I love that title, American Standard. It fits Cheap Trick perfectly. It's a great. Uh, it's yeah, a great. I don't title. think it's that bad. I think I it's. Think it's I think bad. it's better than Heaven Tonight. I mean, Heaven Tonight's not a bad title, but that cover just doesn't match it, man. No, but I, I tell you what. I think American Standard actually sums up the album better. Yes, it, it sums up the band. You know? Yeah, oh, because yeah. that that is the American Standard rock band right there. Cheap trick, man. They're one of the most underrated bands of all time, and I think what they represent to me and you, Ralph, is uh, it, it's like a bridge between the Beatles and hard rock. Yes. Because they, they have that melody of the Beatles and that, that like pop perfection songwriting craftsmanship, but they also have a hard, dark edge that I think most casual fans... Uh, you know, don't know or don't realize. If you don't delve deep into Cheap Trick, it's real easy to dismiss. It'd be like, uh, you know, if you didn't know Kiss and you judged them all by by rock and roll all night. 
yeah. it's, it's not it's not a great way to to you know sum up Kiss the same way if you only know uh, you know surrender I want you to want me there is much more and, and and those are both perfect fucking songs but uh there's much more facets to to Cheap Trick and we we both agree probably the greatest vocalist of all time Robin Zander I think what what the reason why Cheap Trick suffers so much as far as like not getting the exposure they need is because you know um, they were very popular at one time you know all the way up to Dream Police and I feel like after Dream Police they suffered overexposure because they were everywhere and then you know uh, then it didn't help when Fast Time and Richmond High made fun of them and um, and then after that you know a lot of people didn't even give All Shook Up a chance. And then the preceding albums don't matter. And I know a lot of people love those albums. And hey, dude, this is just my opinion. But people that listen and they heard like She's Tight or they heard uh, If You Want My Love, they go out, they went out and bought One on One. And that album, I know a lot of people love it. But to me, that's like the standout tracks on the album. You know, I love Looking Out for Number One is a good song too. There's a couple okay songs but there's a lot of filler on that album and and then the next album which right. i which i thought was the best out of all the john bryan albums uh next position please had a lot, oh yeah had a lot of filler i mean it's a great album compared to one-on-one and uh, then the one stand on the edge i know people love that dude that one i didn't get at all then the doctor is like universally hated oh yeah the doctor Ooh. and then lap of luxury had a bunch of hits and then I'm sure people went out and bought that album. That shit is chock full of filler. Uh, yes. You know, it, it, it has some great songs on it too, but there's a lot of fucking filler on that album. Then by then, that then, then busted like totally buried them. That I don't think anybody other than diehards gave them a chance because I thought Woke Up with a Monster was an amazing album. I yeah. loved. Um, shit, the, the title track alone. Yeah, well, yeah, and dude, you're all I want to do. Uh, Oh my god, I could go on. Never Run Out to Love, Cry Baby. I mean, that album rocks. I think there's only two lame songs on that fucking album. The rest is great. Uh, 97's probably the best, in my opinion. Oh, oh yeah, 97's That's amazing. like the best album they made after the 70s, I think. That one's like oh, top notch. I agree, I agree. Top notch. I wasn't into those other two. I know you like one of those, Rockford or a special one. I no, don't know. Uh, uh, a special one. I, I hate half of it. And the other half, I put up against everything they've ever done. But it doesn't matter. Everything by that point on, it it was it became download nation. So there wasn't well, any... right, and, and and it's still die hard. I mean, there there was a lot of hoopla surrounding the brand new album, and you know they they put out that first single that was absolutely amazing. But it was like, uh, you know, the, the best way to describe it is uh, Martin Popoff. Who wrote the uh, Black Sabbath book we love? He's he's a Canadian rock art uh, author, and the way he described Dio albums, he's like everybody freaks out the first week, like oh Dio's back, let's wreck cars, let's let rock and roll, and then the next week you change the station and nobody cares. Right, and that's that's kind of how it is with Cheap Trick. The diehards are there, uh, you know, the, the regular fanboys. I mean, they didn't get a lot of press going into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But unfortunately, uh, 
you know, reality set back in two weeks later. And it's still, and that doesn't diminish the band in any means. I'm just saying, that's what bullshit American rock fans, you know, that's their attention span. And I'm sorry, you know, I, but don't, I don't mean to insult Joan Jett fans, but Joan Jett should be opening for Cheap Trick. I can understand Hart headlining, but Hart, Joan Jett, and then Cheap Trick? Come on, man, really? Oh, oh, oh dude, what about, what was it? Uh, cheap trick opening up for fucking poison and death leopard. Yeah, well that. Well, look, I will actually. I think, th dude, that's. I missed cheap trick two times. That was one of them because I refused to go see them with poison and death leopard. I was like, that's bullshit. But the the reason I didn't go see uh, the heart uh, Joan Jet one because I love this podcast so much. We haven't done it in a while, and I was like, fuck it. They're opening for Joan Jet. And, you know, it's like, dude, what am, I'm going to go there to see a half-hour set. And I heard they went on at 6 fucking 30, dude. Oh, and so like, wow, yeah, nobody's there. Yeah, they, they, they're in 6.30, they're off stage by 7.15, really. And I love Hart. And Joan Jett, dude, I can, I've seen Joan Jett twice. I do not in any way hate Joan Jett. I think she's decent. I don't own any Joan Jett albums, but... Oddly enough, I seen Joan Jett twice back in the early '80s, opening for the Who on the Who's quote-unquote farewell tour, and right. then I, the the next time I saw Joan Jett was opening for the Who on their 50th anniversary tour, which was what last year, I think. And sure. both times it was great. She was great. She's entertaining, but oh yeah, but she's no cheap trick, dude. I no, mean, no. her hits were written by somebody else. Fucking Rick Nielsen to me. Is like Pete Townsend, dude, and you know he's he's a genius. He's a demented genius. He he, he is. He, he's like a straight Pete Townsend. There you go. And and the guy worships Pete Townsend. And look, I mean, Rick Nielsen's all about the Kinks, the Beatles, right. the Who, yeah. and the Move. You know. Yeah. And at this time on this album, he because oh I didn't tell you this. Just last week. Oh no, not last week. Last time I was at work was like two weeks ago. Uh, I At work, I usually listen to interviews, and I found a Tom Warman interview, which was great, dude. And Tom Warman said, man, that Cheap Trick was like the easiest band to work with. Extremely everybody in that band is so talented. And he said while recording Heaven Tonight that Rick Nielsen was big time into Electric Like Orchestra. I mean, that's all he would listen to at that time. And it does right, oh. show on this album, as we all know, if you're a diehard Cheap Trick fan. And chances are, if you're listening to my voice right now, you love Cheap Trick. Uh, you all know that they're huge Move fans, where they actually cover a Move song on this album. They actually covered three Move songs on their discography. I don't know if you know this. Are you aware of that, Ian? Uh, well, there's uh, there's California Man, uh -huh. uh, Brontosaurus. One more. And uh, you probably don't know I... it. You probably don't know it because you hate the album so much. I know you hate this album. Where, where universally is hated by a lot of people. I, I happen, uh, to, I happen oh, to dig it. Oh, is it on Busted? Yes, it is. Okay, yeah, I don't know. It's the final track on there. It's called Rock and Roll Tonight. Great song. Uh, I, Great song. I, I've only listened to Busted once. And I, if I could be wrong, but I believe Rock and Roll Tonight has Roy Wood on the actual track, which he tricked. Oh, okay, yeah, right on. I specifically remember getting this on cassette from a used record store, and uh, you know I, I I loved it, uh, but at the time, you know, I mean, we're talking '87, 
you know, I started getting into heavier stuff and kind of put Cheap Trick to the side. But then when they released The Flame, you know, I was like, oh, my God, I love that song. It was all over the radio. You couldn't escape it. Even though, you know, yeah, it's it's burned out. But, man, it still is a good song. I love that song. And you know why? Robin Zen. Oh, it, beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful song. But, um, and then it wouldn't be till probably a few years later that I really became, like, you know, worshipping at the altar of Cheap Trick. And uh, I, I'll, I'll get into that later. But uh, I, I do, this is... This is definitely either my first or second cheap trick, and I kind of, I kind of wasn't looking forward to this review. This is one that Ralph picked out, and I was like, man, this is the one that I listened to the least out of the first four, and I was like, oh fuck, I got to do homework on this one, you know. And I think the reason that I listened to it the least is, and I know this is ridiculous, but a the cover. Uh, B, Surrender, and C, Heaven Tonight. But going back and revisiting this album, uh, some opinions have changed. And, uh, you know, that we'll get into as we do the review. But, uh, Ralph, why don't you take the first track, which is Surrender. The perfect song. Uh, not only said by me, but many, many people, musicians alike, have referred to this song, I think Slash may have been one of them. I don't know, I can't remember. Well, uh, John Karabi, I think, said it too. And I do agree because it is so simple and so to the point, but yet so, it's, it's it has so many hooks. It's so catchy, hooky. It's, and the production, man, I think Tom Warman is a freaking genius. It really baffles my, my, my mind how Rick Nielsen hates him, you know? Like, uh... Well, it, it's not... Rick, just Rick Nielsen, Motley Crue bitches about him, Twisted Sister Twisted bitches Sister. about Yeah, him. and all those albums that did it. Okay, I'll give Twisted Sister a little bit of leeway because I don't really think the production on Stay Hungry is as top-notch as, let's say, Dream Police or Heaven Tonight, you know? But fuck, shout at the devil? Come on, dude. That shit sounds amazing. Sonically, it's perfect. Oh, yeah. You know, and then the Ted Nugent albums he's done sound fucking great uh molly hatchet dude i mean they went down the line of all the shit he's produced and dude the guys made some amazing albums and amazing oh, yeah. amazing sounding albums you know but yeah but 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 people bitch about tom warman the way that i feel about bob rock <laughs> you know right yeah you know but i'm like i'm like tom warman's made a lot better albums than bob rock you know the thing about Tom Warman, I will say, when it comes to Cheap Trick, that, and and, and believe me, this is no way a, a slight on him. If anything, it's a compliment on him. Is that he does this stuff, the song that's very hard to replicate live on certain songs. And um, there are a couple songs on this album that I think are not, don't sound well live. The production on those albums are probably, if I, if, if I was really to think about it, dude, I think they're the greatest produced albums ever. But, you know, again, then again, I've said this on many episodes, I'm well, not a really good character on production, you know? I, I, I'll say this, and I know it's sacrilege. Um, I'll take the production on Dream Police over the production on All Shook Up, and All Shook Up was produced by Sir George Martin. 
And, and, and you know what, dude? I agree with you 100%, and I love how All Shook Up sounds. But uh, you know what it is, too? It's I, also, I, I, it, it, maybe it's the songs that I like I was, better. That's what I was about to say, too. Yeah. I think yeah. the and, and you know what, man? There was a time where I thought All Shook Up was their best album. But I snapped out of it. Right. But, but I, I, I'll tell you what. You really changed my opinion after, you know, uh, we did the All Shook Up episode with Ken Mills. Yeah. Uh I was ready to slam a lot of that, but after like listening to you, you know, and give your uh, perspective, I went back and listened to it with a different set of ears, and I did gain. I mean, while there's, you know, there's always been songs that I absolutely love, like uh, "High Priestess of Rhythmic Noise." I used to hate, yeah. but after listening to you talking to it with like the passion about what you loved about that song, I like really. And then I listened to it, it was like. Wow, I kind of get what he's saying now. It totally changed my opinion on that. Yeah, song. it's such a weird tune. Something about well, that fucking song is just that just shows what an awesome podcaster you are. That you can change a stubborn motherfucker like me's opinion. Well, well, well. Ian, let me tell you something. If there's anything you don't like on on Heaven Tonight, I think you might end up liking it because I'm a little more passionate about this fucking album. Let me tell you. All right, we'll we'll, we'll see. But I'll I'll tell you this already. Uh, a lot of my opinions changed revisit this album. Okay. But uh, yeah, we keep we keep going. But really, what do you think about Surrender? Amazing production with the keyboard squirreling around that simplistic yet perfect riff. You know, um, I, I, a little a little sidetrack on this song. Um, the lines from the song that appear on the record were different in the original demo version. Uh, the the what ended up it ended up saying now I heard the wax recruited old maids for the war but in the original demo version which you could hear on the reissue of uh, dream uh, heaven tonight that's on CD they put the original version it says now I heard the wax recruited old maids dykes and whores oh yeah you, you, you do you own the reissue version yeah 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 I got that I now that you say that I remember it and, and there was also, I think, uh, originally didn't say I got my Kiss records out. I think it was, I got my Ambrosia. Yes, you're right. Out. Yes, that's yeah. true. That is true. And the, they changed it to Kiss. <laughs> uh, it's, it, and um, the, what a wax, wax is like a woman's American corpse, right? A corpse. Yes. Like, like the, 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 um, uh, like, like the U.S. The, the Army, the Army, right? Like something like that. Right, right. And you hear that, like the lyrics, you know, I get that visual perspective and, you know, and that whole mommy's all right, daddy's all right, they just seem a little weird. Dude, that's so anthemic as a little kid, my age, when this came out. By the way, I have not mentioned, I'm getting drunk with Ian. This is episode two of me getting drunk yes. with Ian. This is, yes, a, this I'm is drunk. a Friday tape show, which hopefully Ian and I will do one a month. So once a month, you'll get to hear me drunk with Ian, hopefully. Yes, because everybody loved it so much last time. Yeah, exactly. And this is the two episode later. Well, whatever. Let's get back on track. Well, let me tell you, and it's such a great song. It's so perfect. Now, it's one of those songs, though, that, like, you know, uh, like uh, Dee Snyder said it in, in uh, the Quiet Riot documentary that came out in this long ago, the diamond in the pocket. You ever heard that, that thing he says about the diamond in the pocket? Um... 
Ian, you ever heard what Dee Snyder had to say well, about it? I, I've, heard, I've heard Diamond in the Rough. I don't know about the Diamond in the Pocket. All right, Diamond in the Pocket. This is, this is how, and it's such a perfect way uh, he analyzed like what happened to Quiet Riot. And I would have to say Diamond in the Pocket also applies to Surrender when it comes to me. Because Diamond in the Pocket, like, let's say you've got a diamond and it's in your pocket. And it's your diamond. And then later on, like, they take your diamond and they put it on display. And you can't even get, you have to wait in line to see that diamond. And you're kind of pissed off going, dude, that was my diamond. And that's how he, you know, because Quiet Riot became so huge that people started hating him. But, you know, all the core audience that say, he, he started, even said the same thing happened with Twisted Sister fans. You know, they, there was a lot of Twisted Sister fans, including myself, that knew them before they became huge. And then when they became huge, people are like, oh, fuck them. You know, Metallica is a good example. Well, Surrender is that way with me, but I will say it this way. It doesn't, I still get the same charge here in Surrender on, on vinyl, on the, the, the record. But honestly, it's like the diamond in my pocket when it's live. And But I understand, god damn, how can you go see Cheap Trick and they're not going to play Surrender? You know, it's, it's, it's a staple song. It's one of their most popular tracks. But I feel like, you know, I have other diamonds in my other pocket I would rather hear live. But... That's the only complaint I can well, say about it. That's it, you know. Well, yeah, I, I I'd rather hear "Brass and Pocket" by the Pretenders. Really? You you don't like Surrender? Go ahead. What do you think? Oh no no no, dude! I I love Surrender. I love Surrender, but I love Surrender the same way I love rock and roll all night. Oh, that that no, I see. I don't even. I don't even. See, to me, to me, it, it 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 it's kind of the same. There there was a time when it was so special, so meaningful. Yeah. Uh, and it's one of those things where, like, yeah, you can't imagine a show without it, but I can imagine a show without I would, it. I would want a show without it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I would. It, and th and that's how it is. And I, you know, I'll never. The first time I saw a Cheap Trick, and uh, when it came to the part where he says, "Got my Kiss records out." He had a copy of Lick It Up that had Cheap Trick, it, uh, cheap trick uh, guitar picks glued all around it. And he threw it out into the crowd. He goes, he goes, Kiss would charge you $1,000 for that. <laughs> he goes, he's like, I gave it to you for free. You know? Wow. Uh, I, I, I do, I, I love the song. I respect the song. I, I, but it's, I, it's a diamond in the pocket song. Yeah, well, it's just, I just heard it too many times yeah, me too. Uh, let, let, let's put it this way I would rather hear more than a feeling than surrender and I love oh, surrender oh, but I mean yeah. it, 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 it's that overplayed and it's that like it, it kind of all the, all the specialness is kind of washed away I, I respect it I respect it with all my heart but I never, ever want to hear it again. Well, you see, I, would, I wouldn't go that far. I just, I, I never want to hear it live again. But I, if I'm going to put on Heaven Tonight, I have to start it with Surrender. You know? Yeah, yeah. See, I, I, I would skip it. Actually, uh, out of all the times, I, I listened to this album about four and a half times getting ready for the review. I did listen to it the first time. Every other time I skipped it because I was just like, there, there's nothing new I'm going to learn about this song. There's nothing new I can say about it. I know I love it, but I know I never want to hear it again. Well, another, another cool line in the song, which I didn't know for like 30 years, 
was rolling numbers, rock and roll, and got my Kiss records out. I didn't, I didn't know rolling numbers meant rolling joints. Yes, I did yes. not know that for like thirty years. Somebody brought that like, up to me. Like the great Bob Seger, I feel like a number. You know, uh, is that what it's about? Like, like a joint? No? Yeah, and ah, and, and uh, the Neil Young had a let's roll another number for the road. You know, it's, okay. hey, let's uh, let's do a joint for the road, and that I mean, it, it's just seventies slang for a joint. You know, and how number. cool is that? Rolling numbers, rock and roll, and got my kids records out. That's so oh, it, fucking cool. You know. Oh, it, it, it's poetry, dude. It's perfect. It's yes, just, it is. It, for me personally, it, it's it's overplayed, but you know, it's like certain songs that you can't listen to anymore. It doesn't mean they're bad songs. Yeah, it's. Just, it, it's it just means lazy DJs, unlike yourself and me, uh, they just kill shit because it's easy to play. I will and, not play Surrender if I was going to play a cheap trick song. All right, next song, On Top of the World. Oh, my God, I love this song, and I love, I love the beginning of it because the beginning of it is, like, very sinister. Yes. You know, I mean, it's just got like a little bit of evilness in it, and then it transforms itself into like cheap trick, like dreamy world. You Isn't, know, like aren't they fucking geniuses of doing shit like that? Because this oh, ain't oh, the they, only song they do shit. There's songs that are like pure pop, and then it gets fucking demented out of nowhere. Oh, they, they are, and, and that's why you know I said they have that bridge between uh, the Beatles. And, and and hard rock and and early heavy metal because they they do have uh, the musicality the me, the melody uh, that is just like so beautiful but they have a dark sinister edge and sometimes it's musically sometimes it's ly- lyrically because Cheap Trick has a lot of songs that like musically are very light and and, and beautiful but if you actually listen to the lyrics. It's such a dark subject matter. Like, you know, um, perfect example would be Oh Candy. Oh, Oh Candy is one of the most beautiful songs ever written. But if you actually listen to the lyrics, it's about, a you know, uh, you know, a man who killed himself, you know, well, OD'd and stuff. But you can hear it one way or the other. You can hear it musically, and it comes across as dreamy, and you can listen to it literally. And it's very dark and morose. And uh, on top of the world, it's kind of like that. I mean, it, it has both the light and the shade that I like to say all the time. Uh, but it makes it a complete song. And it makes Cheap Trick such an amazing, uh, unique band that can, that can, it, it's like a fucking teeter-totter that, that, that never hits bottom. It comes close. But it just keeps going back and forth and takes you on a musical journey. And God damn it. You know, Cheap Trick's right there with Bon Scott. If you don't like Cheap Trick, fuck you. And I, <laughs> How unpopular I, I, of you to say. But on top of the world, um, an amazing song. And like I said, perfect example. Starts out so sinister. It's so like... That that bass riff. Oh, amazing. And you know what I really love, Ian? The, the very first second of the song doesn't it sound like it's like just like cut in out of like it sounds like the band was already playing and the, right, the, the right. record button was pressed too late yeah it has that yeah. little what, like what, once, ag- once again that's the shitty Tom Warman yeah it's so cool amazing 
Yeah, it's like ding, 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 ding. it's so Oh yeah. It's so unorthodox, but yet it's so fucking catchy, man. Oh hell yeah. Uh Top of the World, I love it. Ralph, why don't you expand on this song a little bit more? In my opinion, one of the greatest cheap trick songs ever. And then and, and I don't know if you're gonna agree with this Ian, but I can't help to think Bon Jovi swiped the lyrical concept of this song for living on a prayer. It's kind of the same thing. It's like, you know, the struggling, you know, we got religion, we got a job, you know, it, it's 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 about a relationship of two people struggling. And I remember living on a prayer back in the day, I used to think to myself, dude, this is fucking, uh, this is like on top of the world lyric wise. I mean, granted, much shittier and much more. Yeah, yeah. see, I would because I mean, for the last, you know, I, 30 years, as soon as I hear Johnny used to work on the docks, I'd change it. So I, I can't give yeah, a there good you go. And this one, what's, um, it wasn't easy, it was hard as hell. Yeah. You didn't get luck in a wishing well. I mean, that's so fucking genius. Work so hard, so much pain. Wouldn't change for anything. Learn love from a movie screen. He was wild. She was wild at 15. Hated school and had no dreams. Wasn't going very far. I mean, that right there, that lyric. That The rest is kind of like, you know, Cheap Trick going off. Like, she got religion, got a job. That's getting a little demented there. But um, that right there sounds like, a you know, a, a couple struggling. You know, and that's what living in a prayer is all about. And I hate bringing this up because Bon Jovi sucks. And uh, Rick Nielsen even said Bon Jovi's an idiot. I don't know. I, I, nice. read, I read an interview where he said that Bon Jovi as a human being is a fucking jackass. Anyway, nice. I love, like, we were talking about bass riff that opens with the drums going at the same time. And then it nice. goes into this amazing heavy guitar doing all these strange noises that just grabs me right away and i remember back in the day this song was my favorite cheap trick song you know kind of grabs you the boop boo don't it <laughs> yeah right dave's not here <laughs> then xander takes it home dude the dude the, the, you know tonight 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 god damn and and you see and he does this a lot on this album more than any other cheap trick album is that xander does like Xander, if you read the liner notes on the first album, they call him the man with a diff with a thousand different voices, and yeah. it is he can, dude. If you listen to the middle section of fucking uh, gonna race hell, dude, that's fucking grindcore. You know those screams he's doing. It's like Wendy O shit. You know, it's like that, those high screams. Then he can <laughs> sing like a fucking angel. He can sing heavy. He can he can do anything. That's why he's my favorite singer of all time. And top of the world, he does that, dude. It's very beautiful, but he gets a little rough at the time. Then he gets like high when she got religion and she got a job. Fucking perfect. And then, like I was saying earlier, the very end of the song, which I fucking love, where you hear the backing vocals going, can you hear me? Can you see me? That little section is so beautifully recorded and structured. That that background vocals. Oh, with the piano and yeah. everything. And it's and it sound and there's an effect to the voice too. That makes it dreamy that dude, that shit is total ELO. That one little thing. Can you hear me? That's where when I hear that, when I heard yep. Tom Mormon say that Rick was obsessed with ELO when they were making this album, and he goes, There's a lot of ELO if you listen close to that album. That right there, can you hear me? Can yeah. you see me? Total and, ELO. And, exact, and, and who did ELO rip off? 
every time. The Beatles. The Beatles. So. Yeah, yeah. The Be- yeah. Uh, t- t- uh, what's his face? He even produced the Beatles, bro. Jeff Lynn. Yeah. You know, he even yeah. like well the reunion yeah. Beatles. You know? Yeah, yeah. Freeze the bird and shit mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. What an amazing fucking track. Top of the world is definitely up there. I don't. I, I don't know if I would say it's my favorite Cheap Trick song anymore. It was at one time, but definitely, it's definitely, it has to be in my top three or, or five, maybe, you know. But I'll, uh, may I take the next one? Yes, you may. Why, thank you, sir. This <laughs> song, I am burnt out on. California Man. I hate to say Seriously? it. Yes. Now, hear me out, though. It's funny how the rest does not suffer the burnout factor for me. Where, you know, I mean, I guess surrender, yeah, to a point. California Man is a great rocking song. A great song. But, like, stuff like Back in Black, that's also a great song. That, you know, it, it just... California Man does not give me the same charge it gave me when I was a kid. You know, um... And, you know, it's two move songs in one. Like, they stuck the riff to Brontosaurus. Source, yes. In the middle of the song. Uh, right. which we talked about later on in their career. They recorded Brontosaurus on a bonus CD that came with CT97 on Red Ant Records. And I have that. I got the Me too. Best Buy. It came in the paper sleeve. So did I. Yeah, yeah it came together yep. like in the plastic. It yes. Was, it was yes. in there with the plastic. Because we were hardcore motherfuckers still buying Cheap Trick in 1997. Shit, I just bought the new one on vinyl, dude. I, I, I know, but think about that, though. Think about that. That 97 album came out on Red Ant Records, which lasted about fucking two months. And if you didn't buy that fucking shit right when it came out, you didn't fucking get it. You lose. And we both have it. Because we feel Cheap Trick, and we stick by Cheap Trick. And Brontosaurus kicks ass. Great song. Uh, I I love California, man. Uh, Fucking rock and roll ABC. I I mean, that's... You know, to me, I'm always going to list the fucking, the greats, the classics, and then I'm going to leave out Elvis. You know, we're talking about... Hey! Hey, we're talking me here. You know, I'm going to talk about, you know, fucking uh, Chuck Billy. I mean, Chuck Berry. Chuck Billy! And and, uh, Little Richard and stuff. But, I mean, you know, even I want to throw some fucking, uh, you know, Bill Haley in there. I mean, it's just so, you know, one, two, three, four, you know, you know whatever the fucking theme is from fucking Happy Days. Uh, it's it's so rock and roll ABC. But it's Monday, perfect. Tuesday, and, Happy Days, that one? Yeah, exactly. And I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that it's... Uh, I, I feel bad that uh, that you can't enjoy this song anymore. Because yeah, dude. This, this is one of those... Uh, what I love about Cheap Trick is how multifaceted they are. And it's like... You know, you can hear one song and you're banging your fucking head. And you can hear, you know, another song and, you know, it's like you're smoking a joint and you got headphones on. But then you hear a song like this and it makes me feel like I'm fucking six years old jumping up and down on my bed and fucking under roofs. You know, just like happy and excited. And that's what California... I mean, California makes me want to jump up on my bed and fucking... Yeah! You know, I fucking love California, man. Love it. A great cover. I think it fits the band uh, perfect. But uh, 
since that was a 28-minute review of California Man. Well, well, I have one one little thing to say about California Man too. Okay. California Man was heavily played on the radio back in the day when I was a kid. Uh, really? You know, after uh, the success of Budokan. It, 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 it was the second single off the album. Well, I don't remember it being played before Budokan. Yes. But well, I remember was, California uh, Man. California Man, I Want You to Want Me and Surrender and Day Tripper, believe it or not. Those four songs were the most played Cheap Trip songs when I was a kid before Dream Police came out. Well, it, it, interesting fact to this album. Uh, there was three singles released off this album and one one single was released twice really uh, yes it was um uh the first single was surrender back with Avita zane the second single was california man uh with stiff competition as the b-side and then once budokan hit they released california man backed with i want you to want me live Ah, maybe that's why they were playing on the radio so much at that time. Yes. What do you think about the next track, which is High Roller? All right, let me calm myself down before I get into this one. Okay. I really need to calm myself down because this is a okay. this is a song that the greatest singer in the, ro- in the world ever ever wrote. Robin Zander wrote this one. Yes, sir. The song fucking rocks. That kick-ass riff. And that swagger in that vocal melody on the verse crushes, dude. Then, which is total uniqueness, the chorus is beautiful. It's like, hi, Rola. It's so, it's, it's like a heavy tune, but the, the chorus is kind of, kind of mellow a little bit. And then it gets extremely mellow with, I know he's gone away and left you. And then, bam, right back into that fucking riff again. Going back just what they did in the beginning of the song. Another one of the best songs. And always, I always get a charge when they play this one live. It doesn't happen much. But when it does, it makes me want to shove my tongue in the mouth of whoever the fuck is standing next to me. Be it a chick or a dude. I'm not, I don't care. I'm not gay, but this song rules so much that I can't help shoving my tongue in the closest mouth toward me when they play this song live. Definitely one of my favorite songs ever. And fuck, you know, it's just, ah! High Roller rules, man! And it's a song that goes way back to their club days, way back before the first album. It's one of those club songs they used to play back in the day. How it made it all the way to the third album, I'll never know, because this is one of, this is it. This is a fucking ace in the deck, dude. This song rules. And Robin Zander proves on this song. Motherfucker can write some good songs. Yes. Um, this this uh, an amazing track. You're absolutely right. It does go back to the early days of Cheap Trick. Xander originally came up with, like, you know, the melody of the song, uh, you know, and had, like, the outlines written. But he went to uh, Rick Nielsen and Tom Peterson. He said, here's where I think something's missing. Help me fill it out. You know, let's make this something complete. It was uh, Lyrically, he wrote it about a drug dealer from uh, Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. And, wow. and it's so funny because, you know, Cheap Trick, you know, they made their bones about an hour and a half from where I grew up. So, yeah, I mean, if you grew up in the Chicagoland area... 
you know, Cheap Trick is just in your DNA. But what's so funny is they were from the northern suburbs of Chicago, the northeastern suburbs. Um, but, you know, they made their bones not only playing in Illinois, but also in Wisconsin. And uh, wrote this song. The, the riff is something that Rick Nielsen stole from, like, the old stand, the old rhythm and blues standard, Route 66, and just kind of expanded on it. But uh, it's so awesome. But, uh, you know, another thing, when you when you talk about this song, you got to talk about the drums by oh, Mr. Yeah. Fucking Buddy Carlos. Oh, my God. Um, you, you know, and, and this, if, if you read some of the reviews back in the day from when this album came out, uh, you know, some reviewers were comparing him to Charlie Watts in like, uh, you know, not like it's Neil Peart or, you know, that, that kind of shit, but it's like there's not a wasted note on the drums. And it's so hard, so heavy. It's such, it's such a smoking fucking song. Uh, high Roller. Absolutely amazing. I think I think of Buddy Rich when I think of Buddy Carlos. Well, Buddy Carlos to me is like, um, to me he's like Peter Chris on steroids, you know, or or, or or you know, or I could see you comparing him to Charlie Watts, you know, because it's one of those things where like, uh, you know, it, it's not like it's you know Bill Buford from Yes or you know Neil Peart or whatever, but. It, it's so solid, but at the same time, there's not like one wasted note. It's it's like absolutely flawless, amazing, great backbeat drumming. And man, I, I tell you what, I love what Rick's kids doing now with Cheap Trick. But man, I miss I'm, I miss Bunny because not only what a what a character. Look, but I what love Bunny. Drum. I've had experiences with Bunny. He's a total prick. But you know, I still love uh, yeah, him. I still yeah, love him. yeah. You told me that. Yeah. I, st- I still love him as a drummer. But let me tell you something. I'm not saying this because of the times I met Buddy Carlos. But dude, Dax is doing it, dude. He's, he's oh, to me. I'm I'm like I'm fine. I'm fine without Bunny. I don't really miss him that much because Dax is delivering, dude. He's doing Bunny Carlos just as well as Bunny Carlos. He's not a step down, dude. You know, he's fucking really oh. good. You know, and, and I love Dax, and uh, you know, I'll tell you one one spot where I really lost a little bit of respect for Bunny Carlos is I was on this website called Unpopular Metal Opinions, and <laughs> Bunny Carlos was talking all this mad shit about Thrash or Die. Yeah, and then I confronted him. He's like, "Hey, Wadzilla, why'd you rat me out?" I was like, "God damn it, Bunny! <laughs> you know, be a man." You know? Why the God fuck damn. is Bunny Carlos on that? And now he's even now I fucking like him even less. What a poser. <laughs> yeah. And it turns out he doesn't even smoke. That that's a fake cigarette. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I heard about that. But, but uh but no 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 seriously. Oh and also uh, I also want to bring up this very important fact about Cheap Trick. Bunny Carlos, ever since he had his back operation, this going way back to the busted years. You know that Cheap Trick cannot play more than 75 minutes with Bunny Carlos. Right, right, right. That is the limit. Where with Dax, they do two-hour sets now. So come on, yeah, dude. Well, it's kind of well, like, I'm okay. Well, 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 Bunny does say that that is false. And, and says oh, really? That he can't. Yeah, no, no, no. Bunny has come out and said that's false. 
He said he can't play longer than that. But then again, he also said he never talks shit about Thrash or Die. Oh, that's and I true. have seen screenshots. You guys send I me that shit. I'm gonna, call him, I'm gonna call him out. <laughs> what's next, Ian? Well, what's next is a popular song. Uh, to people who act who actually know uh, Cheap Trick. And it is my favorite song on the album. Probably in my well, I shouldn't say probably. It is in my top five all-time Cheap Trick songs. It is the song that the first time, and I know I've said this a million times, when I saw Cheap Trick, I screamed this after every song until finally Rick Nielsen said, Avita Zane to you, my friend. In other words, shut the fuck up, Ian. Uh, and I did. I did. When you get chastised by Rick Nielsen, you shut the fuck up. Avita uh, Zane. What an amazing uh, heavy song. And I was excited. I, I saw it on Blabbermouth the other day. I know this episode will air in a couple weeks. But they just aired it out. Uh, you know, they said Scott Ian, who is notoriously a prick, uh, got to live out a life's dream. He went on stage with Cheap Trick, I believe it was in Kentucky, and played this song. And whatever you think about Scott Ian, I watched this video. And to see this motherfucker's face, and he never, throughout the whole song, stopped locking eyes with Rick Nielsen. He was just so happy to play this song. And Anthrax does do an amazing cover of this, by the great way. Great cover, great cover. Uh, but, you know, it, it just shows, like, even if you are a prick, even if, are you, even if you're famous, sometimes just being in the presence of your idols and the people that you love and respect, it, it can humble you and make you a better person, a la uh, Axl Rose with ACDC. Yeah, there you uh, go. I, I, I mean, he, he didn't try to showboat. He wasn't doing the Scotty and dance. He wasn't doing this. He just looked into Rick Nielsen's eyes the whole time and played this song with one of the most amazing riffs ever. Yeah. And it, it's, it's almost like the happiest metal song that Tony Iommi never wrote. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's so heavy, but danceable at the same time it is so incredible and lyrically it's beautiful uh, if you look Rolling Stone trashed this song so bad when it came out they said it was, oh they uh, if, you, if you look it up the, the whoever the writer was at the time said it was one of the most moronic songs ever written uh, so there you go. Seal yeah. of approval. Hated by Rolling Stone magazine. You know it rolls. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm trying to look. Uh, well, uh, while you look, I want to tell you something that you didn't oh, mention. Oh, oh, no, I got it right here. Okay. It says, completely moronic, making this song an example of Andy Warhol's philosophy that we should really stay babies for much longer than we do now that we live longer. Uh, it just said, you know, it was making a mockery of suicide. Uh, but th this is one of the heaviest songs ever, and it's up to interpretation. I mean, me personally, when I listen to it, I don't even think about suicide. 
What I what I do is this rip hits every bone of my body and forcibly makes my head bang. Makes me just throw my hands in the air and thank David Lee Roth this song was ever written. It is so amazing. But lyrically, yes, it does talk about suicide. Is it pro? Is it anti? That's up to you. Music is interpretive. If you know, if you want to hear something bad, you're gonna hear something bad. If you want to hear something pro, you're gonna hear something pro. What I hear is the musicianship, and to me, what are beautiful, witty lyrics uh, of all these ways of saying goodbye or death in multiple languages. You know, sayonara. You know. Uh, Buenas noches, you know, Avida Zane, you know, it's all ways of saying goodbye. Hey, if you listen to this and you want to kill yourself, good, you're a fucking idiot. If you want to hear this and sing along and bang your head, good, you're a fucking music lover. Avida Zane, my favorite track on the fucking record. Ralph, break it down. Avida Zane, probably the heaviest Cheap Trick song of all time. I up there with definitely gonna raise hell, something like that. Don't know why this didn't end the album though. It is such a killer closer. It's the perfect closing song. Yeah, it closes side one, which is okay, I guess. But dude, I feel like this song should have closed the album. The only complaint I got about it, the different languages through the song lyrics that make this so fucking original. And then using the Bob Dylan lyric from all along right. the Watchtower, there are, there are many here among us that feel that life's a joke. Just hits it so perfectly. This song is like a fucking puzzle that all pieces are intact. Then Robin screaming his ass off at the end. Goodbye. So long. Farewell. Suicide. Suicide. How about that part? He goes. Dude, I don't know if I would go as far to say it's the best song on the album because I concede. Hey man, I'm, I was trying to burp, but you know, wine burps are kind of. I'm. Hey, by the way, I just yeah, gotta I, let the people know, you know you, I'm drunk. You know another word for wine burps? Queef. Oh yeah. I know I'm a pussy when it comes to drinking, Ian. But whatever, dude. Hey, a buzz is a buzz, right? You're in twice the shape as me, and I love you. And I'm raising my beer right now to salute you. Yeah, well, I better get back on the ball because I gained four pounds in Costa Rica. Uh -oh. I went a little crazy. No, but that's yeah, okay. but it was all dick, though, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Low calories. I know that's unpopular. But you now have a fat cock, my friend. <laughs> anyway, yes, I'm Vita saying, dude. What a great fucking song. I just don't like how it ends side one. It should have ended side two. You know, I, you know what I think? Stiff competition should have ended side one. That's my my opinion. But let me take the next one because I yes. have a feeling, Ian. You don't like it, but don't tell me. Don't tell me okay. if you don't like it or not. But this is one of those uh, those deep tracks. A song that they never... I have never, ever seen them play this live. Though they have played it live because 
Um, it's called Taking Me Back. It's a song that starts side two. Um, they did at the Metro in Chicago four yes. nights. Man, I would have loved to have been there. Oh, now, I have... I have the DVD and the CD. Okay, well, I check this out. I, I'll even up you on that one. I have, yeah, you're talking about music for hangovers, right? Yes. Well, yes. you know what I got? I the got I got night one, night two, night three, night four. Oh, you bitch. Hey, see if Mr. X can send that to Yeah, me. and one of the nights they played Can't Hold On as an encore. Oh, oh, oh. oh. Oh, even though I have whiskey dick right now, I'm still kind of semi-hard. It's you're, you're, you're mildly chubby. Originally, yeah, half yeah the, and, my, and my dick's almost hard too. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh, just uh, I don't mean to get off topic, but unpopular metal reviews can suck my cock. All right, this song taking me back. Originally, half of the song was on an old demo of a song called Hot Tomato. You ever heard that song? Yes, sir. It's a song that features the original singer, Zeno, who appears. Zeno. Yes, he, Zeno. he actually he actually appears on the new Bunny Cardo solo solo CD. That's true. That's very true. Yeah. Anyway, and also like uh, I've seen some places call this song uh, "Hot Tomatoes," also called "Feeling All Right." So I don't know which one it should be. It should be called "Feeling All Right" because that's what they say in the song. I don't hear them say "fucking hot tomato" at all in the song. Half of this song is taking me back. The other half is I'll Be With You Tonight that appears on the next studio album, Dream Police. Uh, on a side note, did you know Joey Ramone recorded a version of I'll See You Tonight? I uh, did not know that. It's amazing and it's on YouTube and you will freak out when you hear it. He does such a great... It's Joey Ramone doing a Cheap Trick song. Dude. That's oh, all I got to say. As far as this song taking me back... It's fucking genius. Power pop. The vocal delivery just rules like everything on this album. The music and keyboards is amazing. This is a deep track. And not played live as far as I know until they, you know, what I was talking about earlier, the Metro in Chicago. Maybe they did do it at other places. Maybe they did do it in the club days. I don't know. You know, maybe they fixed it before they went in the studio. I don't know. But I adore this song. I love it way more than Hot Tomato, Feeling Alright, whatever the fuck it's called. As well as I'll Be With You Tonight. I'm glad they separated both parts of these these songs and, and uh, you know, and, and made it one. You know, taking me back, you know, it may not be the best song on the album. Not one of my, you know, it would probably be low on the list on my favorite tracks on the album. But it is an, a song... I absolutely adore. I love Robin Zander's voice so much. Like, I just love what Cheap Trick was doing in the 70s, dude. It was so great. They really took a turn in the 80s where they weren't just, they weren't as fucking perfect as this. And Taking Me Back is, I'm sure they didn't think much of it or anything, but I do, man. And I don't know, maybe it's because of the time, because I was a little kid and you know, at one time, you know, it was like Cheap Trick was my second favorite band until Van Halen came along. You know, because I knew Cheap Trick before Van Van Halen dethroned Cheap Trick as far as one of my favorites. But at that time, it was Black Sabbath and Cheap Trick. Those were my two favorite bands at one time. And at that time, I was loving Taking Me Back. 
Now, it wasn't like if you were to say to me, oh, Heaven Tonight was your favorite song. I wouldn't say Taking Me Back, but it's still an amazing song. I love this fucking song. And now I will throw it over to Ian. All right. Well, you know me so well, Ralph. I knew it. I knew you didn't like this one. <laughs> I'm just fucking with you. I love this song. <laughs> really? Well, there you go, yeah. dude. I thought, oh, I, dude. I thought this was going to be one of those songs where I made you go back and you discover it. Oh, no, no, no. This song is dreamy as fuck. This is a great song. And I love, like, God, when the chorus kicks in, you know, it's like, you're taking me back. You know, and then you got that riff behind it. It's like, I remember it well. You're taking me back. A long, long, long time ago. Oh, it's beautiful. And the it's fucking me. verse is like, you, you take me down. You made a yes. fool of me. I love that. Now I won't forget what you did to me. Oh, my God. And that's what I'm talking about. A perfect example of the light and shade. You got a heavy riff. You got a dreamy vocal. And, and you just, you've got a really well-written song. And, oh, man. And th- this is, you know, as much as what you say about Avita Zane uh, and in the first side, I think this is a great way to open up side two. Well, yeah, you're right. Uh, and I, I got a question for you, Ian. Yes, sir. Um, you know, you said earlier, oh, well, you know, when I, I, I was kind of like, oh, I don't know if I want to, I'm not too excited to review this one. Was taking me back a song you didn't like, and then now you realize you liked it? No, no, okay. that song hasn't come up yet. Okay, all right. Uh, and the funny thing is, is when I said that, uh, you know, about this being my least favorite of the first four, which spoiler alert, I still stand by this song. I absolutely love, but. Uh, the next song is one I really changed my opinion on, and that is on the radio. A yay or nay? Uh, a major fucking yay. Okay. And and what I'm going at there now with this is I already love this song, but now I love it a thousand times more. And why is that? That I did before. Why? Um... I think it's just there's certain things I heard in it that I didn't hear before, and then there is uh, there, there's there's a sentimental ele- element to it. Uh, you know, for those for those of you who've listened to us for a long time, and we also have a lot of new listeners, uh, there's a time when we weren't on that metal station. Uh, there's a this was a very grassroots thing that was basically started because. Ralph was was a YouTube sensation, and and R- Ralph had a, a a YouTube following, and that's what really catapulted us. Even in the beginning, it was all people who knew Ralph from his uh you know his, his Black Sabbath reviews, his Kiss reviews, uh and, and all this gay and, porn reviews. Yes, but none 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 of this would would have happened without your YouTube reviews, and actually, um. Uh, I initially wanted the show to be a YouTube show because I didn't know all that much about uh, podcasts. I was like, 
uh, I'm like, this is like, you know, when we started, I was like, this is 2014. People need something visual. They're not just going to sit here and listen to it, listen to us. And Ralph was very adamant. He goes, no, he goes, we have to be a legit, legitimate podcast. Yeah. I was like, I was like, well, I got to do whatever this guy says because he's the fucking talent. I mean, because Ralph, I mean, I mean, I mean, you, you, you were the star. Nobody would have came here if it wasn't for you. And but, it, but, and I need to cut you off on this. I may okay. be the star or whatever the fuck you're saying, but dude, you, my friend, are the funnier guy out of both of us. You're extremely talented, and me and you together. Oh, that, that's dynamite. That's dynamite. But, Electric dynamite. Yes, exactly. But it never it never would have happened with, without Ralph. I mean, even, the, and Ralph was the one who said, hey, we got to get this Terrence guy out here. All right, well, okay, all right. I'm not perfect, okay? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm just being honest here. No, it's true. It's I, didn't, true. I, I didn't think it was a good fit, but I was like, hey, I got to go along with this guy because he's a fucking star. No, and you were right. And that one thing I will say, Ian from the get-go didn't like the idea. Well, I don't know if from the get-go you don't like the idea, but I know within, like, the third episode you were already saying, yeah. dude, this guy ain't working. And then I, even though I did agree with you, I thought to myself, Let's keep doing it till he finds his groove. But well, unfortunately, the, the, the that thing, record like, was scratched. But, but, but like, like, like you and me were like, you know, like lazy stoners with talent. Like we knew we could pull it off. But remember, initially we're like, okay, we're gonna get this Terrence guy who knows all the facts. We're gonna have him do all the like the, you know, the specific shit and all the technical shit. And we're just gonna be us. And then we found out that asshole couldn't even do that shit. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I had to do it. But anyway, so we, we, we started this thing that Ralph and I adore so much, the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. And then we had an offer. Scott Green. Scott Green sent Ralph a message. And, and, and Ralph is such a superstar. He's like, hey, talk to this guy. I'm busy. I'm in threat. <laughs> and I was like, okay, let me talk to him. So Scott Green wanted us to do uh, the show on that metal station, which had just started up. And he goes, "Hey, I want to have you guys do it." And Scott Green had a partner at the time. He goes, "He goes, but I want you to do it live." And and Ralph and I were like, "Well, that's kind of a hard thing to do now because the beauty about the podcast." is everybody can download it and listen when they want, how they want. Exactly. You, you know, you, you you have to realize it's not the old days. This is the new days. Yeah, People fuck want- that noise, motherfucker. You right. gotta, the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast has to be heard whenever the fuck people want to listen to it. They can't be glued to the radio to listen to us. We fail miserably, dude. But he, here here's the thing. So that was their offer. And I talked to it with Ralph, and Ralph and I were so excited because we grew up in a different era. We grew up with radio, and it meant so much to us because initially what we wanted to do is like, okay, the podcast is something separate. And then, like, you know, Ralph and I were like, oh, we're going to do a radio show. Like, what a childhood dream of both of ours to do a radio show. And and Scott Green, his partner, was like, no, we want you to do this live. So... We, uh, even though we wanted it so bad, we believed in what we did so much, we turned it down. Yes. We did it. We, we turned it down. But Scott Green, to his credit, 
still believed in us so much that he came back like a month or two later and said, look, I got rid of this asshole who has absolutely must know nothing. I want you to be part of our station no matter what. And when we finalized the deal and we set up, okay, hey, uh, you know, you know, people can listen whenever, but you guys will get it like right after we post it. And and we were going to be on radio, even though it's internet radio. I mean, internet radio today is what terrestrial radio was when Ralph and I was growing up. You know, more adventurous, more choices. And I'll never forget this. I, I, I text Ralph because I'm talking to Scott Green while I'm supposed to be working. And I, I, I text Ralph. I said, hey, I figured it all out. We're going to do our thing the same way we were doing it, but they're still going to play us on the radio. And me and Ralph were so happy. And then I went right on the Rock and Metal Combat podcast page and I posted Cheap Trick on the radio. Oh, cool. And, and, and I just put question marks. I didn't describe what it was. I just put question marks, and then we, we talked about it later. But now, every time I hear this song, I think about this magical moment where Ralph and I took something that we just, you know, talked about on Facebook, that we started doing online, and we we just kept taking it and taking it to the next level. And, uh, you know, when we got on that metal station, it was just a, another milestone. And I, 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 and I remember texting Ralph, and I said, and I just posted on the radio on the page. And he's like, fuck yeah. You know, and, nice. I, I mean, I mean, and look at it now. This has been a while ago. This has been like, you know, a year and a half, two years ago. But look at how that metal station has grown. And look at how, you know, people, you know, like Mike Tyler, who, you know, fully admits... He never would have done this shit if it wasn't for the Rock and Metal Combat podcast. Is now not only a DJ but a co-owner of that metal station. Uh, DJ Big Bushy Pussyface is a DJ now. All these other people that were inspired by what you know the grassroots things that Ralph and I did. I mean, let's put it this way: if that metal station is a railroad, Ralph and I are Chinamen. Yeah. We built that motherfucker. Fuck we yeah. built that motherfucker. And I'm not taking anything away from Scott Green. He is a man. He is amazing. And but the you know fucking what? end, dude. And that metal station is amazing, dude. And when I listen to this song, and I hear, on the radio. I love the music. Oh, man. And when he's talking about uh, hey, play the different song where the girl didn't leave me. I yeah. fucking love that. She go away. At the end of the song, yo. when you hear the DJ, yes, uh, yes, I, awesome. I believe I believe it's Rodney Bringenheimer. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. But that's the same guy. If you if you people know Death Race 2000, he's the announcer that announces everything that's going on. He's also the DJ. In uh, rock and roll high school. Wait a second, you're a... talking about that guy, um, Don like... Steele. No, that was his character's name. Oh, okay. Oh, all right. I'm sorry. Yeah, Ro it's Rodney Bringenheimer. Okay, okay. All right. Look okay, that let up. Me, let me clip up Don Steele. His name, his real name is Donald Steele Reverend. Oh, 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 yeah. I'm thinking of another dude. That was another DJ. 
You're uh, right. So, so it's Don Steele. Well, technically Don yeah. Steele Reverend, but you know, Don Steele. Yeah, you're Rodney Burger. Yeah, totally different dude, but he was a DJ too. Okay, yeah. yeah. You're right. Okay, so anyway, though, um, uh, hey, fuck facts. This is the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. That's right. We're uh, fucking, we, we will. Yeah. Uh, uh, science will beat facts every time. Uh, but no, uh, this song is so awesome and so special to me. And every time I hear it, though, I really think about, like, you know, this, this thing that Ralph and I started up and, like, now we're on the radio and people can hear us all over the world and all this shit. And uh, I know this is a long review, but uh, this song is special to me. My second favorite on the album. I love it. Ralph, what do you think about on the radio? All right, on the radio. Buddy Carlos hates this song. Really? Uh, yeah, he said it was a blatant attempt to get on the radio. I find this song to be the catchiest song on the album. Somewhat castrated production-wise, because I have a live version to the song that just kicks so much ass, dude. I gotta send it to you. It is so amazing live. It really, dude, this song, this is one of those songs that sound better live. When I was a kid, this song was not a favorite. Still, I, I still wouldn't say it's a favorite, but I love it way more than I did as a kid. I just don't think Cheap Trip did any wrong in the 70s, dude. Every damn song on all those albums I love, dude. So, you know, I'm burnt out on some songs like Surrender and California Man. Some sound better on Budokan, like I Want You To Want Me. But still, all great songs in the end. And fuck Bunny Carlos, the, the, that guy was a prick when I met him three times. I love on the radio, the ra on the radio, just the, 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 hey, mister on the radio, you're really my best friend. And late at night, I turn you on. Oh my God, I love this song, dude. You know, this, this is what I was telling you, dude. When, you know, and Ian was telling me before he, he listened to this album many times before the review. He's like, God, you know, that's the one I listen to the least. I go, dude, for me, Heaven Tonight is a goddamn religious experience. And I don't think I should have said goddamn before a religious experience. But either way, this album to me is so perfect. Even like, even what I said about California Man Surrender, whatever, dude. I still love both those songs. I may not, it may not like um, have aged well with me. But I still love this song. But dude, on the radio, taking me back off beat and saying high roller, top of the world. So far up to where we got to now, every fucking song resonates with me so well. And on the radio is one of those songs. And when I finally heard a live version to it, where I found on Napster or some shit many years later, you know, like 10 years ago, dude, I was blown away that I finally, like it dawned on me. Cause I've never seen them play on the radio live. This is another song I never seen him play live. I was like, holy fuck, this rocks even more live than on the studio version. And I never had a problem with the studio version. I love, love, love this song on the radio. Uh, may I take the title track, Ian? All right, I'm back, brother. Why don't you take this song? All right, Heaven Tonight, the title track. I believe this song is about heroin addiction. And it's kind of cashmere-ish, like, da-da-da, da-da-da. 
I believe this song, this is my personal opinion, and uh, I don't know, dude, I think I'm a genius when I say this. I may be wrong about taking me back, but I think, don't answer this Ian, but I think this is the one Ian don't like. But um, I think it's pure genius, I think the song. I but, but I'll tell you this, I don't think this translates well live. Yet they play this song way too much live. Almost as much as I know what I want. Um, I don't really don't like this song live. Now, I will say this, and I'll never forget it. It was the Busted Tour. In the Button South, they played Heaven Tonight. The first time I ever seen them play it live. And I was like, oh my fucking God, I can't believe they're playing Heaven Tonight. And I loved it, because you know it was the first time they played live. But ever since that night, they have played it. I think the last couple times they didn't play it. But they've played Heaven Tonight so many times after that Button South show where it got to the point where like, oh God, this is not, this is not like identifying with me as well as it does on the album version. Because this to me is a total studio track. You know, this is a song I wish never makes the set list ever again. You know, and um... Heaven Tonight is a total studio track to me. Not a live track. Beautiful vocals, yet a tinge demented as well. Then, you know, it's like, you can never go down. Like, it starts like kind of mellow. It's like, you can never go down. 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 And then when Rick adds his vocals, it sounds very demented. Like, you can never come down. You can never come down. You can never come down, you can never, and then it goes, you can never come down inside, you're getting nervous, you never been this high before, ah! oh my god, dude, to me that is musical fucking genius, that really hits my soul so much, that it, it really keeps me away from heroin, and I'll tell you this, then, after that part, a female opera singer is added to the end. And it just gives me chills. A masterpiece, unlike the album cover. Let me tell you something. The way this fucking song is, the structure of this song, it's, it's like Cheap Trick where, you know, just about every song we've heard so far, Cheap Trick, like, you know, they get a little wacky here and there. Dude, this song, Heaven Tonight, is dead serious. No joking around. And you know what? It may have to do with O Candy. Because we, we spoke a little bit about O Candy before. And so people will know. I don't know if we ever mentioned this before on other tracks. Because we haven't reviewed the first album, haven't we, Ian? Right. No, we have. But o, o, o Candy was about a man who OD'd. It's actually about a man. It sounds like a song about a girl. Exactly. But it's about... It's about a guy who was a photographer. Yes. An early photographer for the man. Uh, but his nickname was Candy. No. Because... No, you're wrong, actually. I'm, sorry. I'm, not, I'm wrong? Yeah, his his nickname was Eminem. Okay, uh, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. His real name, and I can't remember his real name, but it was kind of like, you know... Uh, like I think he, it was Marsh, Marshall Mathers. Yeah, exactly. I was about to say that. Just like Eminem, Marshall Mathers. This guy had a name where it was two M's. You know, right, but the they called him Candy. They called him Candy. And he died of a heroin overdose. And I feel like this is probably part two of O Candy. 
Um, because it's it's I I don't remember where the fuck I read it, but I did read somewhere. I do own that out of print book, which was released again, by the way. It's called I know I I need to buy it. It's called Fragile. It. Is a it's a what is it? Fragile. Uh, or reputation is a fragile. Re- reputation is a fragile thing, which is a lyric from One on One, by the way. Um. It's a cool book, and it was out of print. I bought it way back then, so I do have the original pressing of it, um, which goes for a lot of fucking money now. I think it goes for less money now because they repressed it. But anyway. Uh, Heaven Tonight. This is the one that, uh, you know, Ralph suspects I hate, and it is the one that I did hate. Ooh. But, oh. But, but no longer hate. Why? Um, I gotta hear this. Why? What changed your mind about this amazing song? Um, well, what, what when I when I initially you know used to listen to the cassette, I, I I gotta tell you honestly, I don't remember the song. You know, maybe I fast forwarded through it because it was a slow song, and even though like I think "Heading for a Heartbreak" is one of the greatest songs ever written, traditionally I am not a ballad guy, but. As I'm listening to it, I was like, why did I hate this song so much? Because, I don't know, like 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 years after the fact that it hit me, I was like, this is an awesome fucking song. But then I also remembered, like what Ralph said in his review, it does not translate well live. This is a studio track. Yes. Meant to be listened to on drugs, through headphones. Yes, it is a drug song. It, it, it is about, and I, I believe like Ralph, a heroin addict, but it's like, do you want to go to heaven tonight? It's like, do you want to go to the brink? You know, do you want to cross over? Do you want to die? Or do you just want to get like within, you know, uh, you know a grasp of heaven? Uh, it's an incredible track, but it is a studio track. It's like, okay, you, you go see, you know, Pink Floyd, and they're playing Dark Side of the Moon, but all they have is like a xylophone and a kazoo. You can't, you can't repeat it live. You know, this is something that you have to hear with all the bells and whistles, all the accoutrements. Um, it, it is the epitome of a studio track, but it is one where, like, I always, you know, you're never, you're never too old if you have an open mind. You're never too old to appreciate shit as long as you keep an open mind. My mind did change on this song. I now believe it is a masterpiece. I do love this song. But for the love of fucking David Lee Roth, do not play it live. Yes, and and you're right, dude. I mean, there we go. We do agree. We do agree on that one. It is a total studio track. And dude, what do you think of that opera singer at the end? Which, of course, they can't do live. Doesn't oh, it bring no, that no, no, extra, I, 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 you know, it brings that extra, oh, oof, oh. you know, to bring it home. Like, yeah. to me, it's like, dude, I'm telling you, this song is so perfect. But then when you add the opera singer, it's like even more perfect than perfect. Right. And, and, and to me, it's another example of like, why does everybody hate on Tom Worman so much? Because this is a masterpiece studio construction. You know, I mean, I mean, without Tom Worman, you don't get all this shit. Tom Worman added all this shit and brought it to the well, song. Well, well, Ian, um, 
you oh I'm sure you're aware of this because you know, you're the shit you know your shit but I just got to remind you because you're saying Tom Warman but you got to remember Rick Nielsen's parents were opera singers. Well, no, well, no, I know, I, but what I'm saying though is he's the one who committed it to tape. The final result is what he recorded. Uh, I'm not saying he performed it, but the way he transferred it to tape that people will hear for all eternity. You have to give the man some credit. Oh no, I mean, no, no, you, yeah, you, you know, know I do. I'm just saying, dude. It's like Rick Nielsen was raised by opera singers. So I, I'm right. pretty sure he he himself had some kind of input in that opera singing on that song. Maybe not, but I'm just saying, I'm thinking he would. Right, right, right. No, I, I get that, but I'm still saying this is the man working the board. And and if and if he, like, makes it all bass and no treble and fucks all this shit up, you would have heard it. But what you hear is perfection. So uh, stop the Tom Worman hate. You Tom know? Warman rules and fuck Nikki Six and D Snap, which I love these either. Fuck them all. What the what Tom Warman has done to my life, along with the genius Rick Nielsen and the rest of Cheap Trick, oh. has made my life so much better. Dude, let me tell you something. I don't know if my childhood would have been so awesome without this album. <laughs> Alright, the next song. The next song I have to have it tonight. Competition is my least favorite song on the album. What? Then you know what? You know what? I'll tell you this right now. You, my friend, are like Tom Warman. Because Tom Warman says he likes putting the least favorite track second to last. Go ahead. Right, because I'm not counting Eau Claire. Yeah, uh, of course, yeah. Of uh, course. That's not a song. Uh, Strip Competition. I, I, I do not hate this song. I do not dis- dislike this song, but on, on an album this epic, it is my least favorite track, and I'm not slamming it. I'm not. I don't have anything like, oh, this sucks or that sucks. I'm just saying this is the only song to me that, that sounds like a B-side. So uh, yeah, I don't hate it, but I don't love it. It's still a solid track. I still love stuff competition, but uh, to me, this is not a diamond in the pocket. What do you think, Ralph? I goddamn love this song. This song fucking rocks that. And that, I screw you, you screw me, that's for us, here we go again. Well, all right. We made my song together. Goddamn, I love that. This is. Then it goes into that dreamy little section of I looked hard in her eyes It was love at first sight It took me minutes just to wait and wait for your turn Your turn in from me Fuck dude This shit is blistering This is blistering cheap trick it's a fucking another glowing example why I worship this fucking band. Stiff competition rules. No, I would not say it's my least favorite. And I understand what you're saying, man. It's your least favorite, but you don't think it sucks. Oh hell no, hell no. Dude. And that's, that's what that. I and that, and that and you know what? What you think of stiff competition is exactly 
what I think of California Man. Exactly. Exactly. You still love California Man. It's I love California Man. I'm burnt out on it, but I love the song. But you know what? I happen to love every other song on this album more than California Man. Right. Just like you like every other song on this album more than Sip Competition, which I found kind of bizarre because I, if I was to pick which one you wouldn't like, it was it would either be Taking Me Back. I was wrong on the radio. I was wrong, and the next song, and definitely I'm wrong. How are you? In my opinion, it is I Want You To Want Me Part 2. Even mentions I Want You To Want Me in the lyrics. I love it. It's catchy. It's happy. But then the chorus. You know, the chorus is a, Hello, how are you? Are you? you sleep last night? Did you dream of me or not? You know, it's it's very happy-go-lucky. But then, dude, later on in the song, he's like, Hello, how are you? I dreamed of you last night. Dude, it sounds like a fucking demented psycho fuck that's ready to fucking kill the bitch. And I fucking love that because it takes this really happy ditty you know, and I was like, Dude, that to me is the one that, dude. How 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 much more can I say? How well, cool Rick Nielsen is to write something like that, dude. Well, I, I'll tell you. You know what's so awesome is is in my notes. What what? Think about what you just said. In in my in my notes, I I put cute little ditty. There you go. And and, and it is. And I love. And what you said about how it goes from like this little happy thing to a dark thing is is what I said earlier in the episode about the epicness of the light and shade yeah. of Trick. It can go from something so light and fluffy to like, Martha, my dear, and then the next thing you know, it's revolution. You know, and that's what Cheap Trick does. They, 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 they take catchy songwriting, you know, angelic vocals, blistering guitars you, you, you know bombastic drums and like John Enzwistle type bass and mix it all together and it's this beautiful thing called Cheap Trick and I will tell and I will ask you a question now Ian yes sir because I could be wrong but to me is there any band in the history of music that can do like a happy ditty and turn it into a demented fucking song you know what I'm uh, saying I- I, I, I really don't think so. They can do it in the style. It's kind of, it, you know, it's kind of like, and it's like real life, dude. You really think about it, it's real life. Like, you know, I mean, we all been through it. We start dating a girl, we're like, God, I really love this girl. This girl's really cool. And then in the end, you find out she's a psycho bitch. Right. That's, hello, how are you? That's, to me, that's what that song is. It's the song where the guy's like, hello, how are you? Did you cheat that night? Did you dream of me or not? You know, it's very nice and, and very lovable. But then in you know, the end, the- it's like, it's almost like, I won't be ignored, you know, for fucking uh, Fatal Attraction. You know what I mean? Right. You think the bitch well, is normal, but then all of a sudden it becomes a demented fucker, you know? To, to me, it's kind of like, uh, you know, the beautifulness. And I know it's overplayed. and I know a lot of our listeners might not agree, but it's almost like... Uh, uh, police, every breath you take. 
in one way it comes off like this like beautiful love song but it's really like a demented like stalker yes you are correct you know, but ian the difference between every breath you take and cheap trick is that sting still keeps the little the little nice vocal melody where robin zander gets a little fucking demented where go ahead i, I mean I mean, Sting does have that, you know, since you've gone, I've been lost with. Oh, yeah, you're right. You know, you're right. It, you're it right. does have that little mixture. You are correct. But, uh, but that is, um, if, if you want to compare careers, uh, Cheap Trick have been doing that for years, where that's like a, an isolated police song. But, I mean, it, it's a great example of, like, what, what, what it appears one way is actually another. It's, it's it's almost like a two-sided mirror. But Cheap Trick, throughout their career, has made a history of doing beautiful music with a sinister, dark overtone, be it lyrically or musically. I mean, I mean just amazing and, and and vocally and I mean they're they second to none. I mean I mean I mean really. I mean I, there are bands that I love better than Cheap Trick, but nobody does Cheap Trick like Cheap Trick. There's no band that can do a better Cheap Trick than Cheap Trick. I will you know, also say this, and I agree with you, Ian. There's there's bands I love more than Cheap Trick, but there's not many of them. Right, right. But what, I, what I'm saying is, you know, there's other bands that can do a band, uh, you know, and sometimes better, but nobody can do Cheap Trick music like Cheap Trick. I mean, they really do have a unique niche and uh, and like I said, a lot of people, unfortunately, it's like, you know, they just stop it. I want you to want me and surrender. But this is a band that if you dig deep, you will be richly rewarded. Yes, you are in, so right, dude. In, 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 what they, in what they have to offer, you know. And are, you know, are all albums amazing? Uh, no, but on every album, there is something to be fine. Like, well, you got to also say... Is every album amazing? Well, yes, in the seventies. Right. Oh no, no, no. I I, I agree. And uh, you know that's one of those things. Like if you talk about seventies cheap trick, my my favorite of all time is, is Dream Police. Okay. And you know are are there songs that I like, you know, better in other albums? Yes. But I'm I'm talking about in the context of an album and how it flows and everything. I think Dream Police is a perfect album. Where I wouldn't take one song away, I wouldn't change one note. I think everything works. Now, other songs might have stronger songs overall, but I'm, I'm saying as far as an album, I don't think you can beat Dream Police. But then I would go In Color, then the first album, and then Heaven Tonight. And but putting Heaven Tonight at fourth, you know, is no means saying that's like going from Hotter Than Hell. To fucking hot in the shade. Of course, of course, it's still good. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's still it's still amazing, and it, it, it's just my matter of unpopular opinion. You might have a different opinion. I know, Ralph, you have a different opinion, and that's fine. But what we all agree on is there's quality albums. You know, it's just where it stacks up in your personal taste. Well, I will I will ask you this, Ian. All right, here's a question for you. All right. As far as 70s Cheap Trick, you're going to say, all right, as far as 70s Cheap Trick, I will put Heaven Tonight at the bottom. I still love the album, but I put it at the bottom. Okay, I will ask you this. Is there any albums out of the 70s that you feel 
is better than heaven tonight. No. Okay, that's fine. No. No. Then we mean you are on the same page. Yeah. Though yeah. I would stack uh, heaven the, tonight higher than uh, in color. The, the the only one of the eighties that I think comes close would be uh, all shook up. Yeah, me too. I agree a hundred percent. You see, to me, you know, the only, look, and we already reviewed All Shook Up, and I'll say it again. All Shook Up tapers off at the end, but all the way up to, I mean, I know I go a little further than you do, Ian, because I remember right. the review. But for right. me, from Stop This Game all the way up to Love Come Tumbling Down, I love. I love yeah. talking cheap trick, dude. Don't you? Yeah. I, I, I do, too. Because I you do. know what, dude? No matter what, cheap trick is still. After all these fucking years, the diamond in the pocket. People need to realize how great this band is because you know they they're they're in their sixties now. Your days of seeing Cheap Trick are numbered. If they come around, yeah. go go see them because they still play blistering sets yes. that are that are spur of the moment and 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 someday soon, unfortunately, this is gonna end. Yes, and if you don't go now. You are going to kick yourself in the ass because you're going to know this is a band, much like the Ramones, that you could have seen a million fucking times. But because they weren't on MTV and they weren't this, you missed them. And then when they're gone, you're going to be like, oh, fuck, why didn't I go see this? Why didn't I go do this? This is a band, people, if they come around, go see that you will not be left disappointed. You know, this this band will make your life better. Yes. Ian, please let me say something right now. And I okay. love what you just said. But I will also add to this. What Ian just said, I will also add to this. There is no band. Let me repeat. There is no band more than I would say to you to check out more than Cheap Trick. No band. No, I'm telling you, no band. Because every other band that I love and you all fucking love out there. I mean, I know there's like, you know, your letters to Cleo and you know, your Oasis and shit like that. That, But Cheap Trick's better than all those bands. Cheap Trick is the one band, I would say out of every band in the history of rock and roll, is the most underrated band, hands down. Hand, even more underrated than Thin Lizzy, which I feel is very underrated. Uh, and I could go on and on. 70s Ario's B-Wagon, extremely underrated. But Cheap Trick, if, if if you were to say to me, what band would you like to succeed more than any other band in the world? It would be Cheap Trick, and I will tell you why. Because Cheap Trick, since 1977, they have been the real deal. They've never given up. They have played the littlest shitholes I've ever been to. It's the biggest arenas. Look, that's a band that's the real deal. You guys and, gotta and, understand. Go ahead. No Ian. matter where, where, I'm sorry. No matter where they play, whether you see them in a club or a stadium, they play like they are at the Budokan. You they get, never give a half-ass show. You get the same show anywhere they play. And my point is, dude, if 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 God was to come down from the heavens and come up to my as they. Mr. Dr. Fuck, if there is any band you would want to be big, who would it want to be? I will pick Cheap Trick over Thrasher Die. I would say Cheap Trick Lord, and I'll tell you why. Because that band is real. That's a band that doesn't stop. That from the highest of highs to lowest of lows, they continue. 
and uh, not only are they great musicians, they're good people, you know, and uh, and you, you you don't get bands like this anymore. It, it's sad, but you don't. You yeah, know, and because... that's one thing that we should say, because we both all met him. Look, look man, Tom Peterson, yeah. great guy. Yeah. Robin Zander, great guy. Rick Nielsen, kind of a prick. Buddy Carlos, total prick. But you know what, man? It doesn't matter how they are as people. What really matters, and everybody needs to understand this, dude. Even though I've had a bad experience with certain musicians, for the most part, all of them rule. But it doesn't matter, dude. If they're pricks, whatever, dude. What really matters is what they do on record and what they do on stage. If they deliver, dude, fuck what they are in person, dude. That's what really should matter. Right. I mean, in, in this day and age, where people go to, you know, pay money to see people play music on their laptops. You know, these are real musicians that wrote real songs that have affected people's lives for 40 plus years. They affected I'm, my life tremendously. I've never exactly. seen Cheap Trick is the band I've seen the most live. And you know why that is? Because that band doesn't give up every fucking year. There are, you know, I gotta admit, in recent years, they've only been here once a year. But dude, let right. me tell you something. In the late '80s and early '90s, those guys were here like three, four times a year. That's why but, I've seen Cheap Trick so many times. And you know who they remind me of in a way? I mean, not musically at all by any means, but it's it's like Blue Oyster Cult. Yes. You know, like a, yes. a, a band that had had their peak, had their moment in the spotlight, but never gives up. Yes. Keeps touring. No matter what, and Cheap Trick has, you know, put out way more studio albums than, than Blue Oyster Cold has. You know, yes. they they let they let loose in the last couple of years, but you know what I mean. I mean, this is a band that like they still. This is how they make their living. They they, they know that there is this niche that loves them, and and fortunately, there's a new generation. Every time you go to a show, there's somebody seeing their first Blue Oyster Cold show. Or their first cheap trick show, and that will change their lives. They will always remember, you know, much like Stephen Kirsch taking his daughter to see ACDC. Yeah, she will never see ACDC again, but she will always remember that ACDC show, and that will always be part of her childhood. That will be part of who shapes her. Like she might listen to some other music later and go, but you know what? I saw ACDC, even if it was with, you know, Axl Rose. I saw ACDC. You know, yeah, and that's how. Like, if 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 cheap trick is coming around, I don't care if it's at your county fair or a strawberry festival, whatever it is, or opening for heart, go see it. Yeah, yeah, bands like Cheap Trick, Blue Oyster Cult, Fog Hat, you know, shit like that. Go go see it because musicians like this are a dying breed. Yes. In an era where people and, play and, and, and may I say one thing, Ian, and I'm just speaking for me, not for you. Go Another ahead. band everybody should go check out. And Ian, I would advise you to check them out, even though you don't like them, it might change your mind. Go see Sticks. Even they don't have Dennis Young no more, but go see yeah. Sticks. They are amazing. They, I just found out they're playing over here in December. And yeah, that's see, another that's, band that uh, delivers live, you know. That's one of those bands, like, uh, you hit the nail on the head. If, if Dennis DeYoung was there, I'd be like, oh, hell yeah. If he's not, you know, I'm kind of like, It's still good, dude. It's still good because you got the yeah, shot. No, and I, I'll tell you what, though. I mean, 
I get what you're saying because you know what? I've seen Judas Priest more times with Ripper Owens than I saw him with Rob Halford. Go see Dennis DeYoung solo. He's amazing. And, and and those Ripper Owens shows were awesome. So I will tell people, yeah, first of all, go see live music. Yes. You know? Just go out and see some classic live bands that have been around since the 70s because, dude, their time is limited. You know what I mean? These are people are, and, and you know what? Chances are when you get older, you're going to hear some of these songs going, God, you know what? I do like the song. Look, I'll give you an example. A great example is Devo. Devo is a band I kind of, sort of liked. But now I fucking love them, and I never got my chance to see them. You know what I mean? So do yourself a favor. If you kind of, sort of like Renegade by Styx or Dream Police by Cheap Trick, give them a chance. Go, go to the show. You know? Hey, my, my, my old lady saw a show in the 90s that her mom took her to. And she was like, she didn't want to go at all, but it was like, BTO, yes, and like somebody else. And, and and it's totally not like what my old lady listens to, but she goes, that was one of the best concerts I've ever seen in my life. So, you know, there's nothing like seeing real musicians playing real music live, you know? Right. All right, but uh, let's sum up this album. Well, we got yeah. one more song. Oh, yeah, that's right. We still have a... Oh, okay. I'm sorry. We forgot. All right. You take it. Okay. Short, very short song. It's kind of like a hidden track. Like, the like Hello, How Are You is the over. But then this little drum beat comes in. And I don't know if it's live or not. To me, it sounds live. Yes, it is live. Okay, it is live. It's a very short song. It's called Eau Claire, by the way. Where you have... The first album had Oh Candy. The second song had Oh Caroline. This album has Eau Claire. All right, it's and, a little. And, and on Rockford, they do have a song called Oh Claire. Okay, yeah, yeah. I don't even. I, I gotta review that. I don't really like that album, but anyway, Eau Claire. It's short and a kick-ass song, and you know, for a while there, they would open shows with this song. Yes. Uh, during the Busted tour, I know for a fact during that time, they would open the show with Eau Claire. And all he says is, all Robin said, he's like belting on, whoa, Kanishiwa, Kanishiwa. It's a, it's a Japanese word that means, I don't know, tell me, I can't remember that. Uh, hello. Uh, uh, hello. All right, hello. Kanishiwa. Kanishiwa hello. means hello. And it's a very short song, it's whatever, but you know what, dude? Even like a minute song from Cheap Trick in the 70s, I fucking adore I adore the song. It's really like kind of meaningless in a way, but it's still melodic and beautiful and the little guitar, the little guitar solo during it and it's like Bam Dan I just love it. I love O'Claire. Claire, what do you think? Uh uh I, I I love it and I hate it at the same time. If that makes any sense. No. I'm kind of okay. I guess it doesn't. Um, I, I I dig it, but at the same time, like what the fuck, you know? But uh, you know, if you're gonna do like what the fuck songs, uh, I'll take Eau Claire over Fanfare. Okay, you know? that's a good statement. But, 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 but too as well. But but I mean, it's one of those. that's almost like what the well, what the fuck is this? Uh. But I, I think it was kind of like one of those things where, like, 
I hear Oh Candy. I was like, Oh my God, amazing. I hear Oh Caroline, amazing. And then Oh, oh Claire. I was like, Ah. Eh. And it, it it's kind of it's uh. It, it, it's kind of like a thank you to a place they used to play in Wisconsin called Eau Claire, uh, Wisconsin, like E A U or something, uh, Claire, and uh, and and then they would pay tribute to that city again on the late. I believe it was on the latest or Rockford or whatever it's called. Oh, just a just a O and then Claire. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of a weird uh, way to end it. I mean, I could see it on a live album more than this. Uh, you know, Ralph brought up a great point. Uh, a Vita Zane would have been an amazing way to end the album. But, I, I mean, with songwriting and songs this great, I, I can't bitch. Who am I to say what to do? Uh, it, it's an amazing album, and I'm so glad that Ralph made me take another look at this because I was like, oh, that's my, you know, I, I just skipped it for whatever reasons. But listening to it today... And the past couple days, like, oh my god, it just reignited this, like, cheap trick fire in, in, in my metal belly, you know? Yeah! And, you know, I just, I was in such a good mood, I told Ralph before we started, you know, because I just got done, I was like, you know, I just got back, and I just got done listening to fucking cheap trick, and I was like, oh my god, I'm in such a good mood, I'm ready to rock and roll, and oh, man. Uh, but this album was released in May. I don't have an exact date, but May of 1978. Uh, it, uh, it went gold after the success of Ad Budokan and finally reached platinum in 1995. Uh, wow, a lot that long, huh? Yeah, yeah, it was that long before it went platinum. Uh, you know, of, of course, you know, at Budokan went platinum, you know, pretty much instantaneously. But a lot of people consider this the greatest studio album of uh, Cheap Trick's career. I don't agree, but, uh, you know, in another way, I don't disagree. It's all interpretation, and it's all great music. Uh, you know, Ralph Ra told me before we recorded this, Ralph, you said it was pretty much your favorite uh, well, one of my, I have a problem. Look, here's the weird thing about Cheap Trick. Just like Black Sabbath, I, I fluctuate. Uh, for a while there, my favorite Cheap Trick album was the first one and All Shook Up. Then it became the first one and Dream Police. Now it's kind of like, it's a three-way tie between Dream Police, um, uh, Heaven Tonight, and, and the first one. But not discounting... In color, because now I think in color is better than All Shook Up. So right. I, I don't know. Maybe next year I'll have a different opinion. It, it's one of those things where, like, hey, you get to fuck one of Charlie's Angels, but yeah. they're all hot, you know? Yeah. Just in a different way. Yep. You know. Uh, well said. Album was produced by Tom Worman, and uh, you know this was the one that came out before the dam broke, before the. You know the, the the crazy worldwide success of at Budokan and uh, total fluke and uh, yeah, but but I mean uh, at Budokan was just as much as a fluke as a live, you know, was a fluke, right. you know. But back then, I mean, I mean, look at what uh, Frampton Comes Alive did to Peter Frampton. I, I mean, he had like cult success with uh, Humble Pie, which I love Humble Pie. 
but uh, became a you know almost an overnight sensation with Frampton Comes Alive, even though there was like three or four solo albums plus you know the Humble Pie before that that nobody cared about. Uh, in in the in the 70s, live albums man could really make you. I mean, Fog Hat had amazing success with the, with their live album. You know, there's so many bands. But back then, you know, it was about that. It was about leaving your house, having this experience. Uh, you know, Ralph brings up a lot of times his favorite live albums are from the 70s. And I get that. It was a different beast, you know. Even though there's plenty of 80s live albums that I love, probably more for nostalgic reasons. But sonically, uh, the 70s was the era of the live albums. And, uh, and and Cheap Trick will always be a part of that history because of, at Budokan will always be uh, a timeless classic. Cheap Trick is a classic band. But, uh, Ralph, do you have a pick of the week? No. No. Okay, so I will go first. All right. And, oh, shit, I forgot what I picked. Oh, I got one. All right. All right, hold on. Oh, I, I, okay, I know this. Uh, this is a band from Detroit, and uh, I I love all their albums to a to a, to a point, but their first album to me is absolute perfection, and uh, the band I'm talking about is Electric Six, and the album is called Fire, and it is a mix of punk and pop and rock, and it is just. It is electrifying. It is amazing. And uh, it, it totally different from Cheap Trick, but it, it's, it's in the same wheelhouse because it uh, transcends genres. And it's just, man, if you love good music, you'll love it. Uh, Electric Six Fire is my pick of the week. What's yours, Ralph? Hi, if anybody remembers uh, our top live album episode. Yes. Uh, one of those albums will be my pick of the week. And okay. It will be Fog Hat Live is my yes. pick of the week this week. Oh right my up. God. One of the greatest live albums ever. You just remind me of live albums. Talking about 70s live albums. Uh, Fog Hat Live to me is by far the best Fog Hat release. If you want to buy it. If you want to get into Fog Hat, get Fog Hat Live first. That album is just fucking amazing. Oh, yeah, and, and that's something uh, for our listeners we're recording today. Uh, you know, because I always try to do a theme of the day. And, you know, for a long time I've been doing, like, you know, uh, Faith No More Friday, Ace Friendly Friday, Fastway Friday. Today was my first Fog Hat Friday. Really? And I picked, I, I yeah, I, I put up uh, Fool for the City. Awesome, great pick. Well, um... I gotta say that, uh, yeah, dude, that album, Home in My Hand, I just want to make love to you. Um, oh my god, I can go on and on. It's just a stone, no, stone blue is not on there. Yeah, no. Slow Ride. Um, All right. You know, it's just a great live album all around. It's the one album that, you know, like I would say, like, if you want to get into fucking... Fog Hat, if you want to, you know, you, oh, I heard a couple songs from Fog Hat, I kind of liked it. Listen to Fog Hat Live, because there you get a little, it's just one album, too, which is another beautiful thing. 
It's not a double album. It's not a long listen. You get a good section of Fog Hat music live that sounds fucking amazing. Therefore, that's my pick of the week, Fog Hat Live. Right, and and I, I, want, I want to send a special uh, shout-out to uh, a fan of the show and our radio show's Donnie Allen, uh, you know, you won't hear this episode for a couple weeks, but he's going actually tomorrow to see Blue Oyster Cult Fog Hat, right, cool. and, I, and I was laughing because I told him when I first moved to New Orleans, uh, one of the first concerts I saw here was, it was, it was uh, like classic rock festival, and check this out, no bullshit, Christopher Cross, Fog Hat, and Blue Oyster Cult. Wow. That's and a it, win, Bill. Oh, it was it you know the best part though is you had all these bikers there for like Fog Hat Bluster Colt. But they were slow dancing with like their fat mamas to like the theme from Arthur. <laughs> you know, it's like if you get caught between the moon and New York City and they're all like slow dancing and shit and assless chaps. It was a beautiful thing. And uh and, and, and so is classic rock, and so is Fog Hat, Blues and Colt, and Cheap Trick. Uh, so there are pick of the weeks, and our fan of the week this week. Um, this is Cheap Trick related, even though I believe this is a total uh, fake profile. And uh, you know, for for you loyal motherfuckers that are there every day, you might have noticed in the last like month and a half, we've had a shitload of people join the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast Facebook page. And, uh, you know, some of them are legit and I've seen a lot of, you know, fake profiles and as long as you don't have like a Jihad Akbar shit, you know, I'll I'll let you join. Uh, And this is a guy, I, I let him join the other week and I liked his profile picture with Johnny Thunders. I was like, that's cool. And then he posted a thing today. Uh, he posted Big Eyes. Oh, nice. And, and he, he goes, he goes, one of my favorite tracks from my favorite band of all time. Uh, and I was like, awesome. But then I looked at his profile, and it's obvious that it's fake. Because oh. he, has, he has no friends, uh, you know, like... You know, no likes. He, he he joined. Actually, he's gonna join Facebook in a half hour. That's how new he is. Damn. Uh, yeah. But the name that he put was Johnny Sahain or or Sawin. However, however you say Samhain. Whatever. It's a fake fake profile. But I I've seen you posting a lot lately. I like I like uh, your profile pics, and I love that you said Cheap Trick is your favorite band and Big Eyes is one of your favorite songs. So whatever your fake name is, your, your real name is probably Bob Smith or Hunter Gutenberg or James Gilman. But apparently now your name is Johnny Sahane. You are our fan of the week. And uh, something I want to point out to all our other new legitimate fans uh please don't just join the page you know just so oh i like the podcast so i'm gonna like it i'm gonna join become part of it post stuff you like whether anybody else likes it 
We don't care if shit is unpopular. Be a man or, a, you know, a woman with balls. Post what you like. If other people don't like it, who gives a fuck? That's what the Rock and Metal Combat podcast is all about, is saying what you feel, not hiding behind some bullshit, a bullshit fucking uh, name, or hiding in a bullshit group. Be who you are. Be proud of it. Say what you feel. We love you. Uh, keep listening. Yeah, now, yeah. Now we're going to go to some plugs. All right, let's plug this shit. Ear Pillar, the podcasting and interview news site. To keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear, go to earpillar.com to find out what we're all about. Listen to The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's, Gully, G-U-L-L-Y-A-N-D-J-O-A dot U-K, 8 p.m. U-K time, 3 p.m. Eastern. The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it. Don't be a cunt. You haven't listened to Mars Attacks podcast? What are you waiting for, man? Host Victor M. Ruiz brings you all types of hard rock and metal-based podcasts. You'll find everything from music-based episodes, interviews, to series such as Ultra Sexy Classic Album Series, where some of your favorite musicians, producers, journalists, and show hosts comments on the albums that push the evolutionary chains of hard rock and metal. Get with it and go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to find out more. All right, Kiss Army. Since 2007, you've been getting podcast the Kiss Audio fanzine for your ears. That's right, it's your podcast. Every month, the podcast crew, along with the Kiss Room, brings you Kiss Talk like no one else, whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present, analysis, and great Kiss fun. Hi, this is Ace Frehley, and you're listening to Podkiss. Hi, this is Bruce Kulick, and you're listening to Podkiss. The Podkiss, the Kiss audio fanzine for your ears. <laughs> Music's most diverse podcast, starring Luke Innes, Greg Sim Bootlegs, and Mr. T from Germany. New episodes released every Saturday on Podbean, Podcast Addict, and iTunes. The True Alternative Podcast. Hey everybody, I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast, and if you love this... You'll love us. That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at decibelgeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll and it's always free. Have you developed paralysis from trying to choose a movie on Netflix? Of course you have. There's too much garbage on Netflix to sift through. So join us on our podcast, We Watched It For You. We watch a bad movie every week and try to determine its watchability. We Watch It For You is for bad movie fans, B-movie fans, underground film fans, and cult movie fanatics alike. Don't miss an episode of We Watched It For You, a guide to the lesser-known movies of Netflix, available on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts. All right! Well, if you love this drunktacular Friday night special edition of Two Guys Drunk Review and Cheap Trick. Holy fuck am I drunk. Oh, hell yeah. 
Come back next week when our special guest is unpopular co-host Terrence <laughs> as we talk about the very popular Michael Jackson thriller. Oh, so it, it's unpopular co-host on popular albums. You can't get any more hipster than that. That's right. That's next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Hoo-yah! Hee-hee! <laughs>